Welcome back to the Break the Twitch podcast on minimizing distractions and doing more of what matters through minimalism, habits, and creativity. I am your host, Anthony Ungaro. Dearest listeners and viewers, it is with this episode that we have reached the final episode of season one of the Break the Twitch podcast. We're going to be taking a very short break and coming back with season two with several improvements to the podcast. We will be acoustically treating this studio so that for all future guests that we have here in the studio, the audio will be crisp and clean with no more echo in the room. It will be a substantial improvement in audio quality, and it is one made possible by the existing Break the Twitch member community. The member community is a way that you can support the podcast, support our work here at Break the Twitch, and get access to the ongoing monthly audio series, private live streams, and the community forum where everyone is supportive and helpful in our new decluttering goals, habit goals, and creative pursuit goals. So we would love to continue working with you through the Break the Twitch member community while we are planning and preparing the improved season two of the Break the Twitch podcast. In fact, I am particularly excited about this month's audio series, which is called Build. It's all about building and sustaining daily progress on making good habits in your life. It is how you make steady, consistent progress on what truly matters to you. And best of all, you're in a community of people that are all following along and doing just that. You can find out more, get access to all of the existing audio series and each new one that comes out every month by going to breakthetwitch.com community. In this episode, my wife Amy and I sit down and talk about creativity, the third pillar of Break the Twitch. We share our own experiences and perceptions with the idea of creativity, habits and things that we've used to be more creative, and the tips and tools that we have established that have allowed us to do more and more creative work for ourselves. I think you're going to enjoy this episode, and I'm excited to share it with you. Finally, I have one last ask. If you've enjoyed season one of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you'd take a moment and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps podcasts like this one getting the word out and letting other people know it's something they might enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. After this, we'll see you very soon in season two. But for now, let's start the show. So we're talking about creativity today. Creativity. It is the third pillar or tier, whatever you want to call it, of Break the Twitch, of the framework of intentional living that is Break the Twitch. It starts with minimalism, which is clearing the space in your life, minimizing distractions. Then it goes to building the habits, the daily practices that you want in your life to fill that space which then sets the foundation for doing more of what matters. Mm -hmm. And creativity can be a really good part of that. Definitely. There's a lot of different ways to view creativity, which is something we'll get into. But uh, to me, creativity is like 
the thing we get to do extraneously that allows us to solve interesting problems or just learn, grow in some way, learn, grow exactly. Or just create, like simply make stuff, express ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that creativity too is often given a bad rap when it comes to what people think creativity is. At least I know that was the case for me, uh, quite a bit. I, had this picture of what it meant to be creative, which actually led me to feeling like I'm not that creative, actually. That's interesting for me to hear because I look at you and I would think that you would resonate more with being creative. Like for me, I I definitely didn't think I was creative. It's interesting as we've gone into this and as we've explored the thought around creativity or the idea around creativity, how that's pretty untrue. And I view you as very creative in, in a lot of different ways. And I'm finding increasingly that I am creative in different ways as well. So I think we should dig into that and talk about what we've discovered in these pursuits about creativity, how it's helped us, and then some tips, some things that we have found really helpful in terms of being creative and how creativity can make our lives better. Yeah. Growing up, I was always thought to be creative. And in the sense of I like to make things, I like to create things, imagine. I think a lot of kids do in that phase. It's pretty typical, I think, to be imaginative and, and play with that sort of stuff. But in a lot of ways, I continued on with the arts and with creativity, with music, and what you might call creative pursuits. I wasn't the strongest at things like math or things like the sciences. And so I ended up in choir and language and, and different things that really I found much more fulfilling and things that registered much better for me. So that's sort of been my path or where I've naturally gravitated in general. That was kind of the opposite for me because I, growing up, didn't think I was creative. And I still even today struggle with thinking of myself as a creative person. And I think that comes from a little bit of how I was raised, um, kind of like the stereotypical Asian parents, you know, raising, like you have to focus on math and sciences, do your homework, study a lot. And also the fact that I am more analytical and data-driven, I'm not as spontaneous, and all those traits combined don't really fall in the realm of creativity when I think about it. I mean, growing up, I did take some art classes, I took some writing classes, and I enjoyed them. But apart from doing the assignments um, and what was involved in the class, I never really spent much time outside of that. And I think to some degree it was because of the practicality that I was raised in. Like, it didn't seem practical to be creative. Mm. Like I'm, I'm so results focused that because a large part of creativity is not knowing the result or even how you're going to get there. Or even how to define it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that was what held me back from doing a lot of creative pursuits when I was younger. And it sometimes even holds me back, like nowadays. I'm like, well, you know, I have all these things to do, and I know that these will yield a certain outcome at the end of it. And so it's just far more appealing to do those things than to do the uncertain creative thing mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. 
It's funny you say that because even given our different experiences growing up, our different perceptions of, of what creativity even is, I can say now that I don't feel particularly creative, especially in the modern environment where we can see everything that everyone is making out on the internet. And there are just so many creative, awesome things out there. It makes me feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm not that creative. I mean, I can say for sure that I definitely do not feel qualified <laughs> to talk about creativity. But I mean, here we are. Here we are. We're going to talk about creativity because I do think it's really, really important for everyone to embrace an idea of creativity and like step into creating, which is what we talk about a lot here at Break the Twitch, obviously. And we're doing a lot of creating. And we're doing a lot of creating with this within this context, right? I mean, I know for me, the main reason why I never really invested much time and energy in creative activities is because I never believed that I was creative. And I think that is one of the main reasons why a lot of people don't do creative activities. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because we have this idea of like creativity being a certain thing or a certain artistic view of this thing. And for this, I, I would love to reference my favorite quote from Elizabeth Gilbert, the author in her book, Big Magic, where she says, creativity is living more based on curiosity rather than fear. Mm -hmm. Creative living. So if you start looking at it that way, it starts making a ton more sense about how we can all live creatively every day, um, living boldly, living in ways that explore new options, explore new interests, things like that, instead of being fearful of trying new things, fearful of what may come of making certain decisions, things like that. I love that definition because it certainly broadens the definition beyond what our normal perceptions of it would be otherwise. Mm -hmm. It allows you to think, well, what interests me? You know, what has always piqued my curiosity? And what am I fascinated by? Maybe you've seen someone else doing something and you thought it was really cool and you wondered if you could do it too. I mean, these are all ways that we can explore, learn and grow and engage with creativity. I know for me, fear is a big aspect. It's a big underlying emotion when it comes to vulnerability and putting ourselves out there. To take it back to the Elizabeth Gilbert quote, creativity is, is living from curiosity rather than fear. And fear is a big thing that holds us back, I think in a lot of different areas, but specifically when it comes to being creative. We have fears about, is someone else already doing this? Is someone else doing it better? Is my creative work worth people's time? Is it worth my time? All these things really add up. And there's a story that really impacted me actually pretty recently when I went over to our neighbor's house. And this was an experience that sort of helped me step through some of that fear. It was so simple too, which is the funny part. I went over to my neighbor's house, who's a musician. He's an awesome singer, songwriter, guitar player. He's just brilliant. And went over there to just kind of hang out and play some music. And I have not played with anyone else in a long time. So this was kind of edgy for me, a little, little uh, nerve-wracking slightly and a little uncomfortable. But go over there, and I'm just kind of banging on drums and hanging out, playing some keys and stuff. And nothing was really working out as I wanted it to. And I say to Adam, our neighbor, I say, look, I, like, I don't really know what to play or this isn't really going that well. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that great. And I remember it so well. He looks over 
takes a sip of his beer with his guitar hanging around his neck and goes, well, it doesn't have to be good. And I remember that moment of just looking at him like, huh, you're right. It, it doesn't have to be good. We just have to put stuff out there uh, and just play stuff to play stuff. Here I was intimidated by this guy that I respect a lot and, and is an incredible musician. And although I played a lot of music in my life, you know, I did, just was not feeling up to the task. And that moment of him basically giving me permission to like, just play stuff. It doesn't have to be good. We're not playing a show here, you know, uh, was really powerful. And it's something I'll never forget just in that moment, which, which is why I think step one is to give ourselves and others permission to not have stuff be that great, <laughs> you know? Especially when you're just starting out or you're learning, exploring, which is, I think, a large part of what creativity is. Yeah, that just exploration of what could be, of what we can make, something outside of the bounds. Yeah, it's a lot about detaching yourself from the outcome, from the results, which for me is really hard to do. It's why I've struggled with this. You know, but it really is. Like if you think that it has to be good, that puts additional pressure on creativity, which actually, in my experience, is extremely fragile. It kind of <laughs> needs to be protected a bit. Yeah. I mean, I experienced a little bit when I went on sabbatical back in 2014, and I was exploring different things, you know, and I was trying for the first time in my adult life to do something creative, but I also felt like I had to make money from it. Mm-hmm. And that pressure killed my creativity. It killed anything that I was excited about that I was potentially interested in exploring. It just put this really heavy feeling on top of it so that I didn't feel like I could continue on. And I, I didn't want to actually. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I went through something similar too. There's all these different reasons around us trying to be successful with our creativity or especially make it like a job. For me, uh, this happened after I was writing for Break the Twitch years ago, and I wrote this piece uh, called How We Spend Our Days, and it was after I'd been so inspired by the Annie Dillard quote, right? So this is the beginning part of how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And I wrote this piece, and I got a bunch of emails from readers and friends that were all like, this is the best thing you've written ever. It's so good. Like, wow, this is amazing. And that felt very validating in a lot of, of ways. Uh, and maybe it was just good for me because I don't know that it's a great piece given a, a general public scale. Right. But regardless, what happened was I tried writing again a few days later and nothing came out. I felt this immense pressure to now do something better than this alleged best thing I'd ever written. And I think I ended up not writing for a month or two after that. I remember that time, yeah. It was so frustrating. Like I literally could just not. You had writer's block, you're completely frozen. I could not put out words. Yeah. And I put so much pressure on myself during that time. And it's like I was trying to make it something before I even knew what it was going to be whenever I started writing something, I was like, well, it has to be better than this. So every word I tried to write was like, is this word better than 
that thing is going to be. And it messed with me big time. And then there are the days where you feel super blah, not inspired at all, uncreative, that anything that you put out will be complete garbage. Yeah. The energy just isn't there. You don't feel good. You just don't want to do it. And so I guess this is a perfect segue into like, what can we do to put more creativity in our lives, even if we don't feel like it? Right. Because there are ways. People do it every day. Creativity, particularly for me, it's really easy to push it off. I can find probably a thousand other things that I can do when I'm faced with something, particularly that I don't have clarity on. It's like a big blog post that needs to be written. I don't exactly know how I'm going to write it. Mm -hmm. Super easy to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do the dishes now and um, do some laundry and maybe tidy up around the bedroom and, um, you know, all sorts of things. On the clarity thing, that's definitely a big one for me, too. A lack of clarity is one of the biggest preventers of creativity or just the preventers of me finishing stuff if I just don't know where to go with it. Yeah, it's really hard to get started, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, right, that's how you figure it out. Yes, that at least for me, I've never, I mean, I guess sometimes if you let it sit for a while, you can eventually figure out randomly, maybe while you're, for you, mowing the lawn, for me, cleaning, like an idea will pop in your head. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time it has been me just sitting down and struggling through the post, hating everything that I write, probably for the first couple paragraphs. And then eventually I go, okay, I think I can make this work because I like this part and I can rearrange this. And then it comes together after, I mean, sometimes many hours, but eventually it gets figured out if you spend the time. Yep. It's, it really is just kind of starting to put down ideas without putting so much pressure on what it has to be in order to get the writing done. And that's what's worked for me as well, is just sitting down, putting on some headphones and just pounding out words, even if they're totally unrelated. Like you just gotta get over the blank page syndrome uh, in order to get creating. If you sit down and you don't know what to write, it's just cause you just need to start putting words down. And, and that gets into the whole idea of like creative flow mm -hmm. and all this other stuff too, right? Yeah, let's talk more about creative flow. Yeah, creative flow is, is just this, super important thing. And there's a lot of different aspects of it. Uh, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, the, the uh, positive psychologist who's the father of positive psychology, basically, uh, he talks about flow in terms of living well and in terms of like activities that you can do that are fulfilling and challenging and things like that, that that you get lost in. And, and that's his sense of flow. And, and there's another sense of flow as well that is definitely related in, in the same concept. And that is simply the idea of overcoming initial resistance and building up into a flow state mm -hmm. where you're, you get lost and you have those benefits. But it's like, how do you get there? You have to focus on something, one task. You have to monotask. And you have to focus on it long enough that you get there. And that's the hard part, not letting little distractions pull you away. You just have to sit there with a blank page and start putting words on it. And slowly but surely, you'll get there. You'll get into this flow state where you can pound out words and it'll be great. But it just it's hard to get there. There's a lot of resistance up front. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really about reserving time 
for being creative. I mean, you can clear all the space in your life that you want, but until you reserve the time and then commit to it and actually show up, even if you don't feel like it, you're probably not going to do it because it's super easy to push off and do other things. Mm -hmm. Or let other distractions get in the way. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's a lot like sailing where the wind can be blowing that day, but if you don't put your boat on the water, you're not going to go anywhere, right? And some days the wind will suck and it will not be good. And you'll take your boat out and you'll put up the sails and you'll just spin around in a circle. Right. <laughs> you won't go anywhere. But that's sort of what you're talking about, at least what I'm getting from what you're saying is, is we need to show up consistently. We need to carve out the space for it, whether it's five or 10 minutes a day to sit there and stare at a blank page and just let words flow so that if the wind is blowing that day, we go and mm -hmm. we, we're taking on a, a voyage, right? That's a great analogy. And that's kind of what we're doing in the member community this month for the monthly challenge on creativity. We have a 10 minute per day creative work challenge where you just need to sit down, do something, whether it's writing or painting or just any kind of creative activity. It could be playing guitar. And we're encouraging this for the rest of the month because this is one of the things that's made the biggest impact in our own lives when it comes to writing and other creative work. Yeah, it's super helpful often when you know other people are doing it too. And having other people doing it with you is really just a way to help you show up consistently. Yeah, it really comes down to kind of like habits, right? Mm -hmm. Showing up doing the work, not being focused on the results. Same thing, really. Same thing. It's funny how all this stuff really ties in together in such meaningful ways. It really is just about showing up. And again, it's like having a creative habit, even if it's 10 minutes a day, if you look back on a lifetime, let's say a decade of 10, 15 minutes of writing a day, you will have spent your life writing. You'll be a writer you'll have a ton of work to show off, even if it's just 10 minutes. So it really does apply directly to habits, building a creative habit, doing creative work that I think we can all do. One of the best books that I've read on overcoming resistance and continuously showing up even though you don't feel like it is uh, by Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. Yes, The War of Art. It's a classic. A really good book. That's definitely one I'd recommend to everyone. But there are some strategies in general that have worked really well for me when it comes to getting the writing done, getting the videos done, doing this stuff and outputting a lot of work. And one of those things is the minimally viable action, one which we talked about a little bit. If you want to do something, be that thing by doing the simplest, smallest version of that thing. Now, that was a whole jumble of words, but Simply what it means is if you want to be a runner, just go out and run, but maybe just run down the block. Don't go that far. Um, do the thing that is the smallest little chunk that gets you actually doing the action you want to do. So whether it's writing or photography or whatever, take one picture, anything like that, but do it in a chunk that's so small that we can't possibly argue with it, that we'd feel silly not doing it. Or that it doesn't require any additional resources that you don't already have. Right. Take what you have and use only what you have, your cell phone camera, whatever, if it's photography, right? And get out there and just do it. And do it over and over and over again. And then that resistance will lessen. It's, it is really a habitual thing where the more programmed you are to sit down in the same space for writing, on the same computer maybe, 
with the same writing app, mm -hmm. all of these things as consistent and repetitive as you can keep it, your brain will just be like, okay, this is where I write. This is when I write and you get into it. A lot of the times how I get to it is simply writing down a lot of my ideas. It's a random jumble. doesn't really make sense. It's a shitty draft as they like to call it. And you go from there. You write your ideas down until things start to make sense. And that's how you inevitably get to that flow. When I heard of the shitty first draft from my English teacher at the time, I overestimated how good a shitty first draft needed to be. Mm -hmm. Like I even held a crappy standard for the first draft. And what I realized is that that was holding me back. It really, like it can be literally, if you're sitting down to write a paper about something, or if you're writing a creative article about something, you can start typing what you had for breakfast. If that's what will get your fingers moving, you can just, just get ideas out. Just don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about anything. Just start getting that engine turning. It's it's hugely important tool. It really reminds me of kind of the protection that we talked about creativity needing. If you have, if you're judging yourself before you even write or do anything, paint, whatever it may be, it's going to really put pressure on that creativity, which we've talked about needs to be protected a bit. Or interestingly, on the flip side, it has to have a lot of pressure put around it. So for like journalists and publishers that are hammering out three, four articles a day or high volume stuff, that's an immense amount of pressure, but they have no other choice. Like this is what I've heard of journalists and things like, I don't have time for writer's block. What are you talking about? Because there's an immense amount of pressure and external deadlines on them to create their work. So that's a flip side thing, but that's very much not the case for most people who are doing external creative work around their jobs that, that maybe are based on their own timelines and standards. But I think it is interesting that there's a dynamic of like, there either needs to be extreme pressure or we need to not put the pressure on ourselves. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's kind of what Steven Pressfield was talking about. It's like, if you're a professional writer, you have no choice. Yeah. There's but no to time. write. <laughs> There's no time for writer's block. Nope. No, no day off. You got to do the work. The other big one in terms of just how to be more creative is putting an end to projects, shipping stuff. Uh, it's really easy to let stuff just exist in tandem and continually work and mold things. I do think it's perfectly fine to have some projects that you just allow to evolve and you come back to them and edit them. But I think it's more beneficial, at least in my own experience, to finish things. You can always look back and learn things from the project. You're working on all phases of the project from start to finish. And you have just so much more experience when it comes to what it's going to take, what you can do better on the next one. Just put a cap on it. I just don't think it's good to have this working clay model that you just constantly uh, uh, nudge it over this way a little bit uh, because you're not allowing yourself room to grow, right? You're not allowing yourself room to start fresh with a new foundation using what you know now. So shipping stuff, just finishing, moving on to the next project, I think is really important for this stuff too. Completely agree. It's something that I struggle with too. Um, 
we can easily fall into that trap. But speaking of shipping and finishing, which is super important, it doesn't mean that you have to share it. Mm. I mean, you can. And if you do, it creates conversation and it, you have a unique perspective to share. I mean, we all do, but you don't have to share it. Yeah, I think it's generally empowering to share, like you said, creating conversation, sharing your perspective around things, but you absolutely don't have to. It could be just for you. Yes. You can just make stuff because you enjoy it. And it's crazy to say that in this modern era where everything is shared and, you know, we're putting all our stuff out there, but, but you can write for you. And eventually there might come a time when you want to share your writing and, and, uh, and just see what the world thinks. But at the same time, if that is the case, I do think it's valuable to put your work out there. Uh, I love the idea of sharing work in progress. That's some of the stuff that I love to follow. I love watching YouTube videos of people that are learning how to make something. I've been watching blacksmithing videos and seeing this guy progress in his skill and watching the whole series about how he's making certain knives or different blacksmith iron work things. It's really fascinating. And I'm not sitting there judging him like, hey, uh, he doesn't know how to make this thing. Like, I don't know how to make that stuff. So it's cool watching his process. So I think there is value in sharing your process. But if it's stopping you, don't. Just mm -hmm. do it for you. Have right. the practice. And the other thing too is just because something sparked your interest in the past doesn't mean that it'll continue sparking your interest. Because creativity, as we evolve and change and as we outgrow things, it goes along with us, right? So let's say that you used to really enjoy playing guitar, but then you no longer feel as inspired about it anymore. I think that's okay. We should be willing to let go and change as we change. Definitely. This stuff evolves just like anything else. And you shouldn't shame yourself into like, oh, I didn't stick with it or whatever. I mean, there are times when you need to push through frustrating points in any creative process. But in general, explore, have fun, do things because you enjoy them, do things because you enjoyed them when you were a kid and going back to those things like drawing or just the really simple art forms of creativity, those things can be so fulfilling. And again, going into that flow state, right? It's, it, it is what brings us such deep fulfillment in so many ways, making time for ourselves and making time for us to do that. So yeah, I, I definitely think we just have to get into this stuff and just try and let it evolve as we go. How do you know the difference between when your creativity has shifted elsewhere or when you're just encountering a period of resistance? Yeah, this is something I'm well versed in because I'm apparently what's called a multi-potentialite where I have many, many passions and interests and can be interested in lots of different things. The downside of that as I found growing up is that I loved the learning curve, the early learning curve where I would learn a new skill or th something, new instrument. But as soon as it got to the point where it got hard for me and it was going to take repetitive, over and over disciplined practice to push through to the next level, I often would see some other shiny thing and I would go try that. And I would, again, learn the learning curve of that new thing. I've log rolled. I got really good at like log rolling lumberjack sports when I was a kid. And, you know, this has changed quite a bit now in, in my adulthood. But because I recognized that pattern, I was able to see the difference. There is a difference between 
am I getting just tired of this thing? Am I ready for something new? Or am I letting go too early because this is getting hard? This is getting difficult. And we're going from the point of jack of all trades to more of a specialty or a focus in this particular creative pursuit. And what I can say is that there is a feeling. There's a feeling that you get and that one that I would get that would cause me to want to go do something else. And that feeling was like this tightness in my chest when something got hard and I, it wasn't going like I wanted it to go. I had this experience with filmmaking when I was shooting an interview, my first ever interview for the interview series that I started with Break the Twitch years ago now. I was doing the interview and halfway through, it was uncomfortable, it was awkward uh, at times, and I got this tight feeling in my chest and I never wanted to do it again and I wanted to give it up. But in that moment, I knew that this was just that feeling. And I'd gotten that feeling so many other times in my life when it comes to these pursuits. And it was that recognition of seeing the pattern of realizing that, nope, this is just hard right now. And this doesn't mean I need to do something else. And it was that recognition that has allowed me to, to dig in and, and really get better at these things and push through because what I've gotten effectively is really good at the first stages of any new thing. I can intuitively pick up a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. but then once it gets hard, I just kind of go do something else that was more fun and exciting. And so that's the difference now is, is that I've learned to recognize that feeling, that just tight sinking feeling that this is not going well. And I uh, don't want to do it anymore because of that. But now seeing like, Ooh, that's the thing I need to push through. Hmm. So it's a bit of knowing thyself, right? It's, it's, you have to recognize a pattern of jumping to a new thing every six months and start wondering why that is. And then when you really search, you really go deeper on these things. You see that that new thing is really just a distraction preventing you from reaching your potential in this other area. So it's okay to switch. It's fine to, especially if it's a hobby, you just bounce around, do what, do what you love, find what you want to do. But, but it is important to recognize that. Is this something that's just hard that I need to push through? Or is this me being done with this? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And for me, I almost, I just never start. Hmm. I, I just don't start because I kind of feel overwhelmed. Like it'd be way too much to even know how to approach this. That's the analysis paralysis that I tend to fall into. So it really is about knowing yourself because my, my tendency would be just to not do new things. Mm. Just never start. Which is so interesting to me because I'm really good at starting new, exciting things that are exciting to me. Uh, that are challenging, that I don't know how it works. I'm willing to just pick up a camera and start pressing buttons or just getting into stuff. But I always had trouble finishing once I started, once things got hard. So that has been my journey of my path of like finishing shipping. Mm. And your journey I've seen you go through, if I may say, is, is like you're being more willing to jump into stuff and more willing to start without knowing where it's going to end, yeah. which is pretty amazing. 
it's been an evolution for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to think that our skill sets are sort of merging. So we're starting more and finishing more as a result. I think that has been the trend where we've over the past decade since knowing each other, I think exchanged or helped each other with our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We're so opposite in so many ways that it's come together uh, for a lot of this stuff and made, made it work. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I think, uh, have we solved the world's creative problems at this point? I don't think we can, but (laughs) (laughs) we certainly gave it a good shot. Yeah. I would wrap this, this bit up by just saying that I think that it's okay for us to be afraid of the idea of creativity, feel like we're not creative. And I think that it's one of the most fulfilling aspects of life is embracing creative work, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a nurse, whether you're, you know, you don't want to get creative when it comes to dosing on medic medicines and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. creativity in exploring your free time in mm-hmm. pursuing passions and uh, letting that carry your life in, in a certain way. Yeah. All right. And that is it for our episode on creativity and the official end of season one. You might be surprised to see something pop up in your podcast feed in the coming weeks. But for now, just want to say thank you for listening. Deeply appreciate your support, your listenership, your viewership, and we will see you very soon. And remember, if you'd like more from Break the Twitch during this short break, you can get it. There will be an active member community going on if you join, where we'll be still delivering monthly audio series for you to enjoy. Plus, all the regular YouTube videos will be going up as well, along with highlight clips from season one of the podcast for you to enjoy. So with that, hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and beyond, and we'll see you very soon.